Good afternoon, everybody. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Today's year we'll be focusing on the halachot of Ktushat Beit Knesset, and specifically what we are permitted and what we are prohibited to do in Shul. Um, and we'll see how this has developed. And unfortunately, um, for many, many communities, there is another Shaila that we are dealing with, and that is Shuls um, have been closed down and as Jews move out. As Jews move out of uh, communities, are you allowed to sell uh, that shul? Uh, this happens many times in Chutzlaret. I suppose uh, for, sometimes it's for good reasons that communities are making aliyah and uh, there aren't many Jews left. So what do you do in those situations? So Bezrat Hashem, all of these questions We'll be dealing with uh, to uh, um, today. Okay. And Gaza. And Gaza. And in Gaza. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, where does the uh, kedusha of a Beit Knesset really come from? We don't find a shul in the Tanakh, in the Torah, or in the Nevi'im. Uh, what we do find, obviously, is we find the Mishkan and we find the Beit HaMikdash. And we talk about uh, those as having Gdusha and there's a Moraha Mikdash, there's a reverence for the Beit HaMikdash. And those are clearly Dinim that are Midoraita, they're from the Torah. And in the place of Makom HaMikdash, there is a certain level <laughs> of sanctity because the Shekhinah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, is resting there, and clearly the halachot. However, Chazal understood, and this seems to be a takana after Am Yisrael, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, and Am Yisrael were sent into Galut, that Chazal instituted something of a Mikdash Ma'at. Now, it's not so clear when a, this Mikdash Ma'at, what we call today shuls, were already in uh, usage. It seems already at the end of the second Beit HaMikdash, we have that. Some claim it's uh, from earlier times, but nevertheless, Chazal basically took the idea of Makom that has Kedusha, and uh, as we'll see, applied it also to uh, Shul's and Batei Midrash. Where do we see the most uh, common source of this is the Gemara in Megillah, Chavtet. The Gemara talks about a Pasuk in Yechezkel. Yechezkel is specifically talking about when the Jews are leaving Eretz Israel, going into exile, going into Babel, and he talks about and I will be to them, like it will be for them as a small sanctuary. This specifically refers to the shuls and the <coughs> in the Batei Midrash in Babylon. Now, not necessarily only Babylon. It doesn't mean that a shul in Babel has Kedusha versus a shul in, uh, in New York or a shul in London. It means that Yechezkel was actually describing what was happening. The Jews were leaving and they were going and they were building shuls in Babel. And nevertheless, the Shekhinah went there as well. And obviously it would be in any shul as well. So if we see that the Kedusha of the Beit Knesset is really stemming from the Kedusha of the Makoma Mikdash. Let's go back for a second and see this inside. The Pasuk in Shmot says, the famous Pasuk, Va'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti Betocham. So from that Pasuk, Va'asuli Mikdash, build for me a sanctuary, and, or make for me a sanctuary, and I will dwell in their midst. Sees, we see from here that there's a, a what's unique about the Makoma Mikdash is the Hashat Shekhinah. That there's a uh, the Shekhinah, God's presence, is more um, highlighted or is more felt over there, even though obviously Akash Baruch is everywhere, 
but there's certain places where his presence, he allows it to be felt more. And that is the Hashrat HaShchina. So that's the first thing that we learn from the Din of Makom HaMikdash. The second Pasuk tells us in Vayikra, chapter Taiti Shmaru, Umikdashi Tirau. There is a specific pro, uh, uh, din of mitzvah that we have to revere, right? There has to be a certain reverence to the sanctuary of how we relate to a makom uh, mikdash. Now, obviously, these two psukim seem to be referring to the Beit HaMikdash or, or, or the, the predecessor of the Beit HaMikdash, the Mishkan. However, the Svorno says, umikdashi tirau, this is a general principle. The who call makom mekudash Any place that is designated for avodat Hashem in learning or in tefillah, says as far now, this also these ideas of having reverence and having the shechina there would also apply. Does the Svorno seem to? Is he trying to say that this is a dindor writer? So that we'll see later on, there's actually a machloket rishonim. But one could certainly garner from the uh, Svorna. First of all, we see a relationship. What is that relationship? Is this a relationship that is actually a right, Or is it only the Rabbanan? That we'll have to discuss in a moment. Okay. The Gmarayim Brachot uh, tries to clarify what does it mean that you have reverence for this Mikdash Ma'at? And you have to treat them with a, a certain uh, kedusha, etc. The Gemara brings an interesting story in Brachot Avav Tanya. Abba Binyamin Omer ain't vila. Sorry, this isn't the Gemara. I was I'm referring to another Gemara. This is trying to clarify the uniqueness of the Beit Haknesset. Abba Binyamin Omer, he said as follows: Ain't vila shel adam nishmat ella be Beit Haknesset. A person's tefillah will only be heard if it is said, recited in shul. Shneemar is referring to a pasuk in by to Shlomo Amelech. Lishmoa el harina Talking about uh, Shlomo Amelech's tefillot, they were in the Beit Hamikdash, right? Uh, he says, "Go and listen to my song and to." My prayer. And what do we learn from there? Become Rina Shante Tfilah. Where there is song, that is where you daven. And Rabin Baravada, Marav Yitzhak, Minayn Shakadosh Baruch Matsui Bevatek Neset, Shneemar Elokim Nitzah Baadat Kel. So we learn two things from this passage, uh, from this uh, passage in Gemara. The first is that Abba Binyami is telling us that tefillot can only really be heard or the, the, the best place for tefillot to be heard is in a shul. And he tells us that the nature of it is already brings a pasuk. It's very similar to the Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash was where the Levim used to sing the praises of Kodesh Baruch Hu, the korbanot, on <clears throat> at least certain korbanot, were there to give a certain grandeur and, and praise to Akash Baruch um, Obviously, there's the other, you know, there's the Korban Ola and the Korban Shlamim. There's also, obviously, the Korban Kapara and things like Korban Chatat. But the element of praising Akash Baruch you find in the Beit HaMikdash, and that's also the element of where you daven to Akash Baruch Perhaps that's singled out by the Korban Chatat. A person's trying to get Kapara. So these two things merge. And the Gemara says, where do we today praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Shul? Where do we sing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Shul? So that's also where we should uh, pray. It's very interesting that, that Shul, part of, the, part of the designated definition of what a Shul should be is a place where we sing the praise of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not just uh, the Hallel and, and sing it in a very uh, uplifting way. It seems to be, at least according to this uh, Gemara, that that is fundamental to the definition of the Shul. Um, furthermore, the Gemara talks about why should we daven in a Shul, right? Uh, because that is, according to the Pasuk, 
and that's where the minion is. So now the question is like this: What happens if you're in in, in, in Corona times? So you're davening outside in a minion. Does that have the same din? So on one hand, you could say, well, if you're davening there permanently, which we did for two years, we davened Halal there, and we daven Rosh Chodesh, etc. So there was also praise, and there was also, and there was also <coughs> tefillah, um, and there's also a minyan. So on the one hand, one could argue that perhaps this is, the, the, the criteria are also fulfilled. However, I do think that one, there's a strong argument to say that no, that it's specifically in a shul where these are the definition of the character of the building. I mean, the character of the building is where what? Where we praise Akash Baruch Hu, and where we daven and where we come together as a minion. The fact that we decide to get together on the side of a parking uh, bay and attend 10 people together and sing Hallel and, uh, and daven there and, and, and we have a minion doesn't, it, it means that yes, we had a minion there and we did say Hallel and we did praise Hashem. But it's, the, the Gemara over here is saying, where do we go when we find a place which is designated for that? I think that is specifically to a shul. So there is still a big mila of davening in the shul. Obviously, if if you can't, as in times of corona, there's no one saying we should we should uh, go when 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 we couldn't. But if a person has a choice to, uh, there's definitely, I think this Gemara is pointing out that specifically Tvilot are heard dafke in the shul and not in other places. That, that begs the question. At times, I say Shevet Brachot or whatever else, when you have a minion in somebody's house just before, for Midrach or after Fumar, whether that is really something that we should be doing. Because, you know, this is just a temporary, it's in somebody's house, it's not a better Knesset. We're doing it purely for our own convenience rather than the sake of giving giving uh, praise and uh, having Yirat Hashem. It begs the question. I know everybody does it. But I'm right. just wondering whether, whether you know, we should make a point to... I think, I think the answer is, I think the answer is, is that Chazal also had something called Tircha de Tzibura. There is a concept, Tircha de Tzibura, causing people to, to, um, to go out of their way and causing them trouble. What's the definition of Tircha de Tzibura? The Gemara said that if people have already davened, that brought Shabbos in, and then the clouds evaporated and they realized that it wasn't Shabbos yet. And the Gemara has a whole discussion, well, should we go back and read Daven or not Daven? And what's it based on? But you have a Chiyuv. What happened to the Chiyuv to Daven? What happened to the Chiyuv there? And nevertheless, the Gemara over there talks about So I agree with you that in a Lechatechila world, if we were, if we were all just focused 100% how we can do our Abodat Hashem in the best way. Ideally, we should get up from our Sheva Brachot or whatever it is, and all get in our cars and drive to Shul and daven together in a Shul. That is the, in an ideal world. However, when there is Tircha de Tzibura, there is room to be Michael. There is room to be Michael. Especially, especially if you take into account that if you say to everybody, you know, let's move to the shul, it could be that some people are not going to daven. So uh, you always have to weigh these things up. Um, and, and I think that is a, that, what I mentioned last time, that, you know, some people are not going to daven. That happens, that, that, that is a real, real, obviously, depending on the community and depending on the, 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 the makeup of, of, who, of who's coming to the Sheva Brachot, but often I find that that is a, a, an important shikul that one has to take into account. So yes, all, all we, can, we can garner from this Gemara is there's clearly a lechatchila one should try daven in shul. In fact, the Mishnah Brewer says that if a person ideally one should daven, there's actually a discussion. If you can daven in a minion or if you daven in a shul, which one should you... Where, where, where should you go? Daven in the shul or daven with the minion? Lamai said we pass in daven with the minion. But it just shows how powerful it is to daven, uh, to daven um, in a shul. The fact that there's even a, a debate about that.
Okay, um, let's uh, let's leave this uh, source out, and let's go into the reverence and sanctity of the synagogue. So the shaila is, as we said, if this whole halacha is coming from the makom mikdash, and as we saw, the Torah basically talks about our places of kedusha that we have to have reverence for them, and the Navi Yechezkel talks about a Mikdash Ma'at. So perhaps the reverence that I have for the Beit HaMikdash, I also have to have for the Beit Knesset in my local neighborhood. And that is the Dindoraita. Says Rabbeinu Nisim, the Ran, incorrect. Says the Ran, Lefichach Nireli, the Beit HaKneset Ukevedavatei, the Beit Knesset and the likes, meaning Batei Midrash, etc. Right? Since it was designated in order for that for God's name to be sanctified, right? Either by learning or davening, etc. The sages injected into the place Kedusha Midivrehem. According to the Ran, clearly the Kudusha of Beit Knesset is Midrabanan. The Pasuk of Yechezkel, one can look at it as an Asmachta Bialma, and do not connect all the Halachot of the Beit Amikdash to the Halachot of a Beit Knesset. On the other hand, one of the Balea Tosvot, the Sefer Yerein, Rabbi Yezor of Metz, says, Mora Mikdash. When it talks about the din of reverence of the sanctuary, the areta melokecha tziva bikanes adam lemikdash, or the beit haknesset, or the beit hamidrash, says Rabbeinu um, Rabbeinu of Metz, whether a person enters the beit hamikdash or a beit haknesset or a beit midrash. One has to treat it with reverence and honor. Right? It says, and my sanctuary you shall rever have reverence for. Not from the actual place, but from the one who commanded about the place, meaning God himself. Perush mina kadosh baruchu, umatzinu beit haknesset u beit hamidrash shenikru'u mikdash. The pashtas of the Sefer he has seems to understand that this is a din of the kedusha of beit haknesset is a din the oraita, as opposed to what the Ran says that it's explicitly is only is a din rabbanan. The Ran says it's the oraita. Now, if we have a machloket between the Yerim and the Ran, whether it's mitzvah, whether the din, the halacha of Moira Mikdash applies midoraita also to the Beit Knesset or not, there's Rav Yaakov Beirav, the the one of the teachers of Rav Yosef Karol. Me'achat sheladat kuli alma eni suk dushat Beit Knesset ela midrabanan. I'm not sure why he ignores the opinion of uh, the Sefer. <coughs> Yerim, either perhaps he didn't see it um, or he understood it differently. Says the Mari Beirav, Kol Safek Shistapek Kelbo. Whenever we have a doubt, and as we'll see, there are going to be a few discussions. Are you allowed to sell a shul? You're not allowed to sell a shul, all of these things. Says, <coughs> excuse me, says. The Mari Beirav, it's a Safik the Rabbanan. And since it's a Safik the Rabbanan, one can be lenient. Because the Ran says in the name of the Ramban, the Beit HaKneset Asuoto Ketashmishei Mitzvah Kesuka Velulav. The Ran is quoting the Ramban. The Shu. <coughs> Has a similar status to a, a, a Tashmishay Mitzvah. What's a Tashmishay Mitzvah? A Lulab is Tashmishay Mitzvah. One, when you're doing the Mitzvah 
there's obviously, there's got a certain level of sanctity on the lulav. However, when you finish doing the mitzvah, it's now after Sukkot, right? Theoretically, you can throw away the lulav. You shouldn't do it derech bizayon. So you should, you know, tie it in a, in, a, in a packet or something like that. But basically, all tashmishay mitzvahs, you've got all the um, tzitzit, that the, 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 they are broken, the strings. You put it in a packet and you can throw it away. It's not a problem. Similarly, it seems to be that if you have a shul that is not being used anymore, so you can get rid of it. That's what that's the comparison that the run is making. It seems that if a shul is destroyed, they like tashmishay mitzvah, they can be thrown away. And although the Ran himself argues with the Ramban regarding that point, nevertheless, since this is only a Safek, the Rabbanan, whenever we have a doubt regarding what we can do in a shul, selling it, eating it, etc., yesh makom lehakel. However, Adam didn't take this approach. Adam, no. I disagree with the Mari Beirav. The Yerain said it explicitly that it is a din doraita, that the reverence of a Beit Knesset, the reverence of the Mikdash is extended also to a Beit Knesset and a Beit Midrash, which are Mikdash Ma'at. So Chay Adam over here is taking a very stringent approach that one has to be very, very careful about the reverence that one gives to a Beit Knesset because it is a Indoraita on a certain level, very similar to Beit HaMikdash. Even according to the Chaya Adam, there are going to be distinctions. For example, we know that not every person can go to the Beit HaMikdash in a state of impurity, uh, different halachot regarding that. We haven't heard such dinim when it comes to a shul. So there is, even according to the um, even according to the Chaya Adam, there's going to be a distinction between the Beit HaMikdash as opposed to the regular shul. But nevertheless, the reverence that one has to place and give to the shul is, according to the Chaya Adam, a dindor writer because he passed like the array. The Mishnah Brura, he also seems to take the position of the Chaya Adam. But Rob Achroinim didn't. Rav Achroinim didn't, and they basically accepted that the Gedusha of the Beit Knesset is only a Gedusha Midrabana. And this leads us to the next Shaila. What about uh, selling a shul? What about selling a shul? So here, Rabbovad Yosef in his Tshuva, uh, Yabia Omer Chelek Zayin, discusses this issue exactly. Is regarding the shuls in Brazil, uh, a very common, uh, very common uh, phenomena in all of Jewish Jews around the world. In fact, Rabbi, I heard once from Rabbi Beryl Wine when they were asking him about building a, a shul in New York, and there was a difference of in price. They could build some. Uh, they could use some material that, you know, the wood would last for 150 years and some material that the wood would have to be fixed up after 80 years. Said, go with 80 years. We have a chazoka in Jewish history that most shuls don't last more than 80 years because the Jews migrate. Right? So that's the, the nature of, of, of Jewish uh, um, geography. So we have this case of Yashe. Seems that there were no Jews left in that area. They all left a certain neighborhood. So now the question is: The shuls are left empty. The they're locked up. 
האם מותר למוכרם על מנת להקים בכסף שיקבלו תמורתם בתי, בתי כנסת אחרים, מקומות המאוכלסים ביהודים רבים? Can we sell the shuls in the empty areas and take that money and buy shuls with the newly, in the new neighborhoods where the Jews have all moved to? או על מנת לשלוח כסף לבניית בתי כנסת בשכונות חדשות בארץ ישראל? Or can we take the same money and send it to Israel to build shuls in Eretz Israel? What is the tshuva of Rav Ovadi Yosef? Vezot tshuvati besiyata dishpaya says Rav Ovadiya, גם אם נאמר שסברת המוות, שאם אין מתפללים שם יכולים למוכרו, right? Even if we want to accept the opinion of the mabit who said that the Gemara, I'll just give a, a, a quick uh, introduction of you. The Gemara does discuss a prohibition of selling a shul. The Gemara really discusses it. And the Gemara there makes a distinction between a private shul and a public shul, or more correctly, a, a, a shul of a, uh, an individual or a shul of a city. The Gemara seems to imply that a, a shul of a city can never be sold. So on that, the Mabit has an interesting explanation. He says like When the Gemara said that you're not allowed to sell a shul that belongs to the uh, in a city, that's as long as there were people that were davening there. But if there are not people davening there, it doesn't apply. And this applies even to a shul of a krach, of a city. We said the Gemara makes a distinction between a shul of a private person as opposed to a shul of a city. Nevertheless, says Rabobadia in Amuskem. Okay, so even we have the opinion of the Mabit that says you can sell a, sell a shul even though it's a city shul. Nevertheless, it's not agreed on by all. Mikom akom, nevertheless, says Rabobadia, this is a classic Rabobadia, there's another reason to be lenient. For the and the Shutmari Beirav said, since the is only rabbinical, right? So he says, whenever there's a suffix, we can be Michael. So what is the Sveik Sveika of Rav Yosef? First of all, perhaps we have the Shitta of Rav of the Mabit. The Mabit tells that this whole din of the Gemara, that you're not allowed to sell a shul that belong that is of the city, that is only when there are still people davening there. When people aren't davening there, that didn't apply. That's Sveik number one. Perhaps Allah follows the Mabit. Halakha number two, or suffix number two is, is that uh, the Gemara also discusses that if one built a shul, right, where there are specific uh, trustees that are in charge of it, perhaps that hasn't got a din of a shul of a krach. So based on those two things, right, uh, then if we're not going to sell these shuls, it's going to be a great because no one's looking after these shuls. Quotes the Pasuk in Yeshayahu that the, the, the gates will, will, will be battered and therefore and we're going to find all types of drug addicts and all, all types of uh, uncouth people using the shul for all types of uh, inappropriate behaviors. The judicial will be transferred to the money. And he says, and by doing this, we are able to build more shuls 
And Rabchai Pilaji has proven that by building more shuls, we stop all types of bad decrees coming on Am Yisrael. Okay, so that was, uh, for those who have the Sefer, volume 12, at the end of the Shir, there's a fantastic uh, essay by Rav Sam Miluntrik about selling shuls. He goes into it a lot more in depth. Uh, what is the svara of why we're not allowed, to, why the Gemara says a shul of a city we're not allowed to sell? It's an interesting idea. Going to Russia, Tosfot, it seems that a, shul, that, that a shul in a city, really many Jews come from all over the world to, to Daven. You know, you're passing by, so you'll Daven in that shul. So who's the owner of the shul? Call Am Yisrael. So who gave you, who happened to be the president of the shul, the right to sell the shul? It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to, it belongs to all of Am Yisrael. That seems to be the svara, at least of Rashi and Tosfot, regarding this din, that you cannot sell a shul um, regarding a krach. But uh, anyway, uh, at the end of the shir, there is a fantastic essay where Rav Milutri goes through all the different opinions in the Gemara, explains it and the reasoning behind it, and Lamai say what can be done. Okay, besides, uh, most of us are not going to be selling shuls. But we need to know what we are allowed to do in our shul every day. What are the limitations on our shul? So the Gemara says, the Mishnah, again, Megillah, Chavchet, In the times of the Beta, in the times of the Gemara, they wouldn't eulogize in a shul. It was considered not covered for the, uh, for the shul. And also, they wouldn't use it to stretch out ropes. Then for they wouldn't uh, place their traps, etc., because the uh, shul was obviously a big area, so it was a good place for all of these things. You're not allowed to dry out the fruit on the roof. Then you cannot use it as a shortcut. Why is this? The Gemara continues. Even if they are empty, meaning they are no longer in use, they still kedusha the Beit Knesset, right? So Kalvachomer, when they are in use, you you have to treat it with reverence. That's a separate halacha. That if you see the trees overgrowing and the, the lawn is being overgrown, you don't leave it so that people will they will cause ogmat nefesh. So people will look after it and rebuild the shul. The Gemara says a few more restrictions. One is not. Allowed to act inside with frivolity. What does that mean? We don't We're not allowed to take shelter in a shul in the summer because of the heat outside, because of the sun, in the winter because of the rain. And also an individual, we don't make private duties. So that is a very, very a broad uh, list of what one cannot do in a shul. Uh, the Gemara continues, But you are allowed to obviously lead, learn Torah and read. If it's a, a hesped, not of an individual, but some uh, communal figure, then that would be permitted. And I'm Rabbi Yudha, Ematabi Yishuvan. This is when the shuls are still being used. If the shuls are no longer, they have been destroyed. So, um, <clears throat> okay, he says we should leave it in order that there should be uh, people should, uh, could cause people of Mathnesha. Okay, so we saw from this Gemara three major things or four major things. Number one, you're not allowed to act in a frivolous manner. Number two, you're not allowed to eat. Number three, you're not allowed to drink. You're not allowed to loiter, and you're not allowed to use it as a shortcut. The Rashi tells us, 
אין אוכלין בהן, ולא גר סינן ואין אוכלין בהן. We have the, the, the Gemara's Gersa is, don't act in a frivolous manner. And then the next sentence is, Rashi points out that there isn't a vav between the word, don't act in a kalot rosh. Rather, explains Rashi, perusha, the kulu perusha the kalot meaning, according to Rashi, the way you read the Gemara is, do not act in a frivolous manner. Colon, what is a frivolous manner? Do not eat there, do not drink there, do not loiter there. That's how you meant to read the Gemara. The Kalut Roshayim, the Lashon Kalut Roshayim, Kilinoto. All of these things are included in Kalut Rosh, including eating and drinking. The, uh, the, the case of Mishnah says, what does it mean, loiter? Vein Matailin, what does it mean, loiter? Shima Yala Adam Kotze Ruach, person short of breath. Lo Yelech Lebet HaKneset Laarchim Dibu. Shouldn't go to the shul to, to, I don't know, get a breath of fresh air because it's a big building, whatever it is. Will it tell and to just loiter there? She ain't. You can go there to learn, you can go there to have nothing else. Says the Yalkut Yosef, Asul Lashevet Bebet Knesset, Regal Regal. Based on this idea, the Svarim. The, most of the Svari Poskim discuss this issue that how you sit in a shul is also, you have to give it the right cover. Asul Hashevet Bevet HaKneset Regal Regal, cross-legged with your one leg on top of the other. Why? Mishum Dahave Keshachatz Vagaiva It's considered arrogance and haughtiness. Even in at home one shouldn't do it. If he does it in order that, you know, his eyesight's not great and, and, and this way he can get the book closer, that's okay. Mutar Hashem knows you're not doing it in an arrogant way. Nevertheless, in shul, so Rabovadia is Rabbi Yitzchak Yosef is very machmir about crossing one's legs, and this seems to be very accepted in Svardi shuls. In Ashkenazi shuls, it seems to be less accepted, and the reason is because we've only found the Mishnah Brura and other um, uh, Svardi uh, Ashkenazi poskim talking about sitting with one's legs crossed as being problematic, specifically talking about an, when reciting the Amidah, meaning let's say a person's not feeling well, so he sits down, an old person, he can't dive in the Amidah standing up, he sits down, there, that's when the Mishaburah talks about not crossing your legs. But in general, it didn't seem to be uh, so, you know, you shouldn't cross your legs at all. Friday Poskim is very, very accepted. And uh, if an Ashkenazi has the unfortunate, um, if he doesn't know the Salacha and he goes and sits in Svardi Shul and he crosses his legs, so I have a friend who did that and he got uh, got tapped on his shoulder. What are you doing? He said, I didn't know what I did wrong. He said, it's not Makubal. You don't do that. You don't cross your legs in Shul. It's very accepted in Svardi Shuls that that is not acceptable. Ashkenazi Shuls, I don't think people are too much bit about. Okay, but definitely yesh makom lachmir, if possible. Okay, this now we lead on to the next trailer, which is eating, drinking, and sleeping in shul. The Gemara says, Amarava chachamim v'talmidehem mutarim. Amarabi Shreben Levi, my berabanan, v'etat arabanan. Their chachamim and their students are permitted to eat and drink in shul. Why? Because it's considered their house. The tour is at face value. If you read the tour in Arachaim, Siman Kufna Nun Aleph, he says, What does that mean? You're not allowed to just talk. Stam, politics, who won the elections. You can't eat, you can't drink, you can't loiter there. And you can't take shelter there. But then he says, But the sages, they, the rabbis, are permitted 
anyone who's a Talmud Chacham is permitted to eat and drink, and it seems like there's no um, no no uh, limitations on that hetter. Says the Gemara, how do we, the, the question is, how we reconcile that din with the following Gemara? The following Gemara in Megillah Chavches, they were asking a question in front of Rava, at Zilcha Demitra. And while they were asking, it started raining. So they went to the shul. The fact that we went to shul, it's not because of the rain. The reason is, is because we were trying to learn from our Rebbe. And in order to concentrate, to have the correct concentration for Talmud Torah, you need to, you need to have, be able to, like a, a clear day. What do we see from here? That although they were Talmidei Chachamim, they didn't feel that it was permitted to go into a shul to give it for shelter. Similarly, one could argue that it seems that they wouldn't eat or drink in a shul either. How, does, how do we reconcile that with the previous Gemara? And the Rambam explains. The Rambam in Hilchot Fila, Perik Yudala, Palach says, when they are under duress, i.e. in a time of duress, that's when Chachamim are permitted to eat and drink in shul, but in general, they are not. As opposed to the tour, which said that it was basically a heter, gamor, the Rambam seems to love it this, and the Beit Yosef, Takes on uh, further the apple gadamrin and chachamim v'tamidayim mutarin mashmeli the hainu bebeit hamidrash. When we said that chatamidei chachamim are permitted to eat and drink, and we thought that that was obviously in a shul and a beit midrash, comes along the beit Yosef says no, that was specifically regarding a beit midrash. Shomdim sham kolayom, because they there the whole day. I'm going to the Beit Midrash, you're not allowed to drink coffee. That's where you're sitting all day learning. It's very difficult. My be'rabanan, be'terabanan, aval be'takneset lo. Because when, what is my be'rabanan, be'terabanan, that's referring to the Beit Midrash. They're there all day learning. Yeah, that's their home. But the be'takneset, be'takneset, since they're not there all day learning, therefore, there's no heter even for Tamil Chachamim to go and eat and drink in a Beit Knesset. Now, that seems to be quite machmir. However, then we find the opinion of the Agat Oshri quoting the Orzaruah. That which we found that the Tamil Chachamim of the Gemara Rabina. And Rav Ashi, that they said they went into the shul not because it was raining, they were machmir upon themselves. Even though it was permitted, even if the shul was still active. Says, Basically, anyone is permitted to eat and drink, even if they're not Tamidei Chachamim. And what we find in the Gemara about the Amoraim, they, they were being machmer upon themselves. And why is this? Well, hold on a second. But the Gemara said explicitly that it's asked to eat and drink in a shul. So what's going on? The Orzarua explains, based on another Gemara that we didn't quote, but we'll just read it from the Orzarua. When the original people built the shul, they did it al that people would be permitted to eat and drink in the shul. So says the Orzarua, based on that, even if you're not a Talmud Chochem, you're allowed to eat, and not only a Beit Midrash, also in a Beit Knesset. That is the most lenient opinion that we find the Shittah of the Orzarwa. We've seen that this actually the, is a machloka between the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. Shulchan Aruch writes, and he basically quotes the Rambam word for word. We'll just do the, the last sentence of the, of the Shulchan Aruch. 
So the Shulchan Aruch adopts not the opinion of the tour where it was unlimited, he adopts the opinion of the Rambam, where only Talmidei Chachamim can eat and drink, and even them can, can only be done bedochak under duress. Says the Ramah, B'yesh Omrim, Debeit HaMidrash, Afilu Shalom, Midochak Shari. Says the Ramah, quotes, with that, that distinction we've already saw in the Beit Yosef, that there's a difference between a Shul and a Beit Midrash, and some say, if it's in a Beit Midrash, you don't need to worry about it at all. They can drink coffee, etc. No problem. The Mishnah Brura says a few halachot. Uh, we said you're not allowed to have a uh, idle chatter uh, talk in the shul. We're not talking about stam. We're talking about a guy who wants to close a business deal. The Bachut Shari outside the shul it would be permitted. Nevertheless, Bebet Akneset Asur will be Prat Sicha Betela Legamre Devada Sherahui Limnoa Tamit Mizeh. Top Alavai. We should all we should all be able to um, to reach the level that we don't talk about Sichas Betelas in in shul. But Meikradin, there isn't really an excuse for it. Even though I think, at least I'll speak for myself, I'm often very guilty of it. Before shul, after shul, I try not to speak during davening, but after davening, you're always catching up at the end of, you know, you're folding up your tefillin, you want to have a discussion. So it seems the Mishabura is telling us, giving us Musa, that we shouldn't do that. Okay. Um, let's, um, let's just finish off over here with the Pitzke Chubot. That's the Shukhanar spoke specifically said not only Talmidei Chachamim, but also their students. The Afshain, Bismarck, Din Talmid Chacham, although we don't really have a Talmid Chacham today, and then even today we have, you know, distinctions. Some people you call a Talmid Chacham, some people you don't. Mikom <coughs> Akom, and this is very important. Anyone who's learning for that moment becomes a Talmud Chochem. He's included in the Heter. And it makes no difference whether the guys, this is the first Mishnah he's ever opened up and he's learning, or he's already finished Daf Yomi three times. For this purpose, he's considered a Talmud Chochem and he can be made and sip his coffee. There's a Shulchan Aruch. Um, and this is the 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 tnai that we saw before. In bishat pinyan beta knesset it nu alav lishtamesh bo. If at the time of the building they made a condition that you're allowed to use it for all types of other things such as eating and drinking, mutal lishtamesh bo says the shulchan aruch. He goes according to the tosvot bechur bano, meaning according to the shulchan aruch when you make a tnai. That snai helps for when after the shul has been destroyed. But while the shul is still active, the snai is not going to help. And therefore, according to the Shulchanach, you can't eat, you can't drink. It's not going to help. Because he said, only Talmidah Chachamim can go. And Midochak, aye, but the Orzarua said, but they made a snai. The Shulchanach takes the opinion of Tosvot that a snai, that a <clears throat> When they made on condition, they made it, they built it on condition, that's only going to help for after the shul has been destroyed or empty. However, while the shul is active, that tonight is not going to help. This is a shita that the Shulchan Aruch adopts. It's a shita of Tosfot. And even once it's been destroyed, you can't use it for all types of. Um, actions that are going to degrade the the shul. Okay. Um, one last uh, din, and that is having a sudashri shit in shul. Many shuls have sudashri shit in shul and things like that. Where does this come from and how does it work? There's the Gemara Yerushalmi, Rav Yirmi Abai Batekinesi of Temidrosh, Maushi Yut Shrikin Bedika. Erev Pesach, do you have to check the Beit Knesset for Chometz? Ma'at Shrikhalei, she'ken machnisin l'sham, b'shabatot, 
Why would you have a half a minute to think you need to check the shul for chometz? Because they bring in chometz there on Shabbat. And Rosh Chodesh explains the Pnei Moshe. Then you say have communal meals, right? So that seems to be that according to the Yerushalmi, it sounds like that for if it's a meal for the sake of a mitzvah, it would be permitted. Now we have a famous Toswat, the Toswat in Ptachim, it says, Although he accepts the opinion of the Yerushalmi that if it's a Sudat mitzvah would be permitted, perhaps Sheva Brachot or something like that. Says Tosfo, that's not good enough. If it's not Letzorich Mitzvah, it's not a Sudat Mitzvah, it's going to be Asur. It sounds like, according to Tosfo, Sudat Shabbat is not a Sudat Mitzvah. That's a Kashia that people have on Tosfo, and that's why Tosfo gives his own answer that what they were eating in the Sadri. But we have found that if it's a Sudat Mitzvah, it's permitted. Now we have to work out what's included in a Sudat Mitzvah. It sounded from the Yerushalmi that every Shabbos meal is considered a Sudat Mitzvah. From Tosmod, it wasn't so clear. The Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank says, Ulam betosvot muchach du Sudat Shabbos lo nechshevet ke Sudat Mitzvah. Clearly, Tosmod didn't hold that Sudat Shabbos is not considered a Sudat Mitzvah. In regarding this, that it would be permitted to eat in a shul. Midilot yertzub b'pshitut the Sudat Shabbos have a Sudat Mitzvah. So the, they could have given that answer. Why do they have to give an answer that they were eating in a different room? They should have just said, Sudak Shabbos is a Sudak Mitzvah. That is the opinion of Tos. However, the smag does hold. The answer to the smag is, why were they eating there on Shabbos? It was a Sudat Mitzvah. Okay, the bottom line is that uh, it seems to be that Rav Ovad uh, Yosef and Rav Moshe Feinstein basically says that the Minag is to be makele and have Sudat Mitzvah such as a Sudash Lishit in the Shul. And the reason is because since it's a Sudat Mitzvah, it's not considered a bizion to the Beit Knesset and therefore would be permitted. Okay, that brings us to the end of Hilchot uh, Kedushat Beit Knesset. We'll continue next week. Bezrat Hashem. Thank you for listening. Kol Tov. Thank you for the share. Shkoyach, shkoyach, kol Tov, Bye.